This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning and welcome to Open for Business, the show that dives into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. This morning on the show, Dr. Yong Chifai, CEO and co-founder of DF Automation and Robotics. In 2023 alone, investments in the robotics sector soared to just under 13 billion US dollars, underscoring the promising outlook for the global autonomous mobile robots industry. And DF Automation looks primed to ride this wave and is currently raising funds to do just that. Founded in 2012, Joho-based DF Automation specializes in producing autonomous mobile robots and automated guided vehicles, solutions with clear objectives, optimized workflow, enhanced productivity, and slash operational costs. Music to the years of many businesses, I'm sure. This year marks DF's 12th year in the industry, and to support their continued growth and ambitions, they're offering between 3.6 and 9% of the company to raise between 3 and 8 million ringgit on equity crowdfunding platform PitchIn. This follows a 3 million ringgit raise on the platform back in 2019. And as of February 14th, they've achieved about 43% of the minimum funding target, about 1.2, 1.3 million ringgit raised. Today, we speak with Dr. Young to get a better understanding of the value and potential of the robotics industry, as well as their origins and ambitions. And of course, whether the robots are coming for our jobs, jokes, of course. Uh, Dr. Young, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Hi, Roshan. Thanks for having me here. You know, Dr. Young, this industry can be very um, confusing to understand for people who aren't in it or aren't living and breathing it. So before we talk about origins and ambitions, um, DF has three core segments of the business. We've got selling the AMR products that you design and you make here. You've got after sales and support, and you've got something that you refer to as AMR integration solution and services. So break it down first in layman's <laughs> terms. What is it that you do today? Got it, Roshan. So I think to make it simpler, DF Automation Robotic, the first business is actually we design the robot. Just put it simpler, we research and develop several products. And our core technology is actually the brain of a robot. Uh, we have two core technology. The NetVis is basically the brain to empower all the robot moving around autonomously. Then we have another software called uh, Fleet. It's basically a system to manage a fleet of robots running around in the plant or in the factory. So first, we actually develop the product ourselves. And the next part is actually we provide the solution because some customer, they come in, they just want a solution. They cannot buy the robot themselves. So we provide the full solution. We went into the factory, we understand the process, we calculate the ROI, then we provide the full solution for them. And lastly, uh, of course, when they buy the robot, they need to do the services. <laughs> and this is where our recurring revenue to come in. And we foresee uh, every year, 10% of the purchase price will be our uh, income for the after-sales support. Wow. So it's, it's kind of like the car business in a lot of ways, right? Yes, uh, dealers make money on the car sales, but a lot of where the real money is in, is in after-sales and support for these vehicles and cars, similar to what we're seeing here. And you also have that, uh, I guess, like a consultancy business involved as well, I guess, to consult businesses on how and uh, why to use your solutions as well. Um, so the vision, if I understand this correctly, is to be the global market leader in providing industry 4.0 enabled autonomous mobile robots, uh, products and services, and you're raising a new round to do that. Um, before we talk about the future, taking a step back and winding back to 2012, mm -hmm. um, what started you and your co-founders down this path? It's not every day someone wakes up and says, you know what, I want to build robots for the rest of my life. So yeah, tell us a little bit about this. Well, I mean, I mean as a young kid, we love robots, right? I mean, that, that's not really a primary reason. I mean, I have two reasons for doing that. 
I'm a lecturer uh, since 2000 and been lecturer for the last 24 years actually. And then I went to UK for my PhD back in 2007 and I came back in 2010. And when I was there, I was surprised and shocked with how the mindset of the student and student in Malaysia. And as a lecturer, we always think how to build the economy in Malaysia, right? And, and SME mm-hmm. is play a major role. But for us, as my as when I was young, my dad always tell me become an engineer, lecturer, and lawyer. So so that that is in my mindset. But when I was UK, the mindset are totally different. The entrepreneurship culture are very strong. So then I start to think, why in Malaysia we don't have that kind of mindset? Hmm. And 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 then I start to see that there's one big reason uh, we don't have much success technology story back then. Mm-hmm. Now we have a few, huh? <laughs> so so then in 2010, as a lecturer, I keep on thinking that it is a it is kind of like my responsibility that I can contribute to the country so that um, you know I build a technology company. So that is my vision back then to build a technology company. So I've been looking for opportunity. So after one year, and I, I look for a lot of other opportunities didn't work out that well. And, and then this, this uh, MNC came to us and they said, hey, we want a robot that can help them to do this problem. They have this uh, plate they need to deliver every you know 30 minutes. The range is only 20 meters. They hire four operators just for doing the job. They asked, can we build the robot? Initially, we rejected them because we said, hey, you can just buy from Japan or Germany. And this is a 50-year technology. You don't need us to do it. Then they said, no, no, just do it and see how it goes. And three of us, our background, we were in, uh, we built robot for competition in the past. So for us, that is not so difficult. Ah, right. This yeah. is you and your two co-founders. Correct, correct. So then, you know, we built one for them. And we, we, I still remember we tried to charge them 10 of 1,000 ringgit in Malaysia. We thought very expensive. And they just said, so cheap. <laughs> and, and, and then they buy another four more unit. And they asked us to build a bit more expensive robot for them. So that is when we start to think that, hey, there is a market for this. Yeah, so that's how we start the business back then. Why did this MNC come to you and ask you to do this? Uh, so I, I I was in the lecture, UTM as yeah. a lecturer. So the uh, MNC came to the university looking uh. for opportunity for collaboration. So they threw us to a lot of ideas and problems they have. So one of them is this one. And then after we are very close with them, we're also quite surprised why they asked us to build instead of buying from, you know, the third party from other country. Then only we realized that one robot bed then cost about a million ringgit Malaysia. Oh. So I was thinking that we, we actually short charged them. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you must, the IP cost, the branding yeah. cost, all never included. Correct. Um, so that was your MVP, right? Mm, that mm. that robot that they asked you to build for them, although very simplistic in nature, one simple uh, one simple problem to solve. It was the origin story of what is today yep. DF uh, automation and robotics. Um, once you once the three of you decided, okay, we were mm. going down this path. Yeah. Um, what were the biggest challenges along the way before you realized that okay, this is a a business that that will work for us? Because mm. I'm sure it was a tricky path as well. It is a very tricky part because three of us are engineer by mm. profession. We we did a bachelor of engineering electrical mechatronics, so three of us are, don't have any business background, mm. nothing. And of course, from day one, we are fighting with each other who want to become, you know, the CTO. And three of us <laughs> want to become the CTO, right? I don't want the business. I don't want to handle business. I want to do the technical side. You want to handle yeah, this. Yeah. That, that was a discussion that I listed. But of course, at the end of the day, then we see each other character and also the strength. So I became the CEO and CMO of the company. Mm. Then Mr. Ricky looking at the operation. Then Mr. Tampio looking onto the technical side. So this is where we start. And we still know that we have a lack of knowledge in business. So that was my first task is to look for funding and to look for investor to come in. Yeah. So so then we managed to get a credit fund at a very early stage. 
And the best way to learn for me still is join the competition. So we mm. join various kind of a competition like uh, Bismarck Lens Bank. Uh, we also joined some magic event those days. And this really, really helped me to understand the business much better. Because you have the technical, you and your co-founders have the technical skills, but mm. the, the skills to build a business also require that business knowledge. As And then you went out and basically yeah. did a bit of your own L&D, essentially. Um, during the, the early days, um, before... Talk to us about the key lessons, I guess, that you and your co-founders learned in the early stage. Uh, lessons that you think that other founders in that first phase of building a company should know. Uh, nothing is perfect. Mm. So don't wait. I think time is everything. Um, for me, I'm very fortunate that I have my two other co-founders, to be honest. They actually got me along. I, I still remember that when we put our money together to put this money, actually, we, we, for us back then, was a lot of money. Mm. 50,000 ringgit Malaysia. And immediately the next day, they actually already rented a place. And I was like asking them, hey, we haven't get any business. You already hire a place. Not only that, they already buy, you know, table, chair and everything else. So so, <laughs> so then I think it's the right choice. Because the moment we start spending and, and, and start investing into certain things, we start to think how to make money. So I think that is a very natural case. So my advice to the entrepreneur out there is you have to do it fast and try to grab the opportunity. I think that is number one. I think a long way, of course, there's a lot of uh, challenges along the way, cash flow, uh, product market feed, uh, customer satisfaction, the team. Uh, but one of the bigger challenges we have at a very early stage is still the business sense, mm. the business mindset, because myself is a lecturer. So at some point, I always think about growing the talent instead of growing the businesses. So, yeah. That's a, that's a great point, uh, mm. Dr. Young. So how did you go out and acquire that talent, right? Because you and your two co-founders, while you hold the CEO, COO, CIO, and CMO roles, um, <laughs> all very technically uh, gifted in your backgrounds or mm. technically skewed in your backgrounds. Mm. Um, and while technical founders are important, mm. uh, some would say the most important, the business and the and the organ and sometimes even the the uh, uh, the operation side of things can be vital as well. So how did you bring that kind of talent into the business early on? I'm very fortunate, and I think maybe a lot may not agree with me. Mm. I think as a lecturer, you have the best you know opportunity to meet the best talent in the country. So when I lecture, I have a lot of students come to me, uh, meet and greet. So some of them doing project with me, final project, master project, PhD, and so on and so forth. So this is where we start to mingle around and see whether there's an opportunity for us to continue. So right now, I have about 70 staff and I have actually three GM. Two GM were my final project student. Wow. Yeah. And, and the co-founder were my student also back then. And again, I think that created me an opportunity to build them uh, toward this direction. Of course, I didn't force them. <laughs> Ultimately, also, this is something they want to do. And they say, hey, why not? Because like DF Automation is one of the leading robotic companies in Malaysia. It's been in Johor Bahru and they want to be in Johor Bahru. So I think it's kind of a perfect match. Um, and I also create a few of a student association on the technical side. For instance, when I, when my, my early stage of my lecturer, I did this Robocon represent Malaysia everywhere. So I have a bunch of students love robotic. Then recently, I founded another student association called IROS, basically focusing on AI, robotic operating system, and IoT. Again, as a lecturer, I want them to have this kind of knowledge. But along the way, something struck. So they may join uh, DF Automation, or maybe we actually 
co-founded another company. So this is the ecosystem. For me, it's a talent that can come to DF Automation. I'm sure a lot of people will be keen to see these student associations do well because from what my conversations have told me, it's the tech talent that we are still in dire need of in this country. So let's see how that plays out. Um, Dr. Yong, we've got more to get into, but before that, we've got to go into a few messages. Folks have been speaking with Dr. Yong Chifai. He's the CEO and co-founder of DF Automation and Robotics. I'm Roshan Kandison. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here at BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanisen, and this morning I've been speaking with Dr. Yong Chi Fai. He's the CEO and co-founder of DF Automation and Robotics. Um, Dr. Yong, earlier we talked about how you got into this business with your co-founders and you were a lecturer, an MNC came to you, they had a, they had a problem, seemingly a simple problem. Uh, you went at it anyway, and that was your MVP. And today, 12 years later, uh, DF Automation is now looking to raise another, I think it's between three and eight million ringgit as you look to continue to grow in this space. In 2023, based on pre-audited numbers, DF generated around 13 and a half million ringgit in revenue. Uh, gross profit margins were around 33%, and profit after tax was still negative, but you were EBITDA positive, clocking in around 550,000 ringgit on that front. Um, what are you forecasting for revenue growth ahead? And what is this based on? So I think for us, it's quite straightforward. We want to grow 30% every year. But by 2027, we hope to hit revenue of 40 million ringgit with a net profit of 10 million. With day per se, we hope to list a company with a P of uh, 20 at 200 million valuation. Mm. So the strategy that we have right now is, uh, as we have been doing R&D for the last 12 years, we want to capitalize this R&D. So our strategy now is actually really focusing into the sales and marketing. So we start looking into collaborating actually to reduce our cost. For instance, we don't manufacture our product too much, so we just partner with other companies so that we can deliver the product faster with a high profit margin. Uh, at the same time, also, we are looking into country that actually can, uh, you know, purchase this high-value robot. <laughs> As we know, Asia is sometimes it's a bit difficult to justify the ROI. And we have a good traction now in Europe. And to our surprise also, uh, we have been beating some of the international foreigner MR company from Denmark or even from Japan. So then we start to see that, hey, there's an opportunity. So we have to strategically strategize how to go into this country uh, in, in the next uh, three years. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, you you like you. I think if I heard that correctly, you want to focus more on the intelligence side of it. So mm -hmm. not so much the manufacturing side. You're outsourcing that. Um, so it's kind of like designed by Apple in California, but manufactured in China kind of situation. Yeah, kind of. I, I think at this moment of time, we still manufacture ourselves because that gives us a bit of uh, uh, advantages to deliver some of a very complex solution for a customer. Because right now, our main customer is semiconductor, okay. uh, where this is, you know, um, where the cash cow coming in. Huh? Uh, but at the center also, we start to see that this robot can become a commodity in the near future. So having said that, um, there are a lot of energy companies out there and, and there's no reason for us to compete with each other. So let's, you know, combine each other's strength together and capture the market bigger. 
So one of the biggest strength that we have and that we just realized uh, in, in the recent year is that our technology and software because we developed the software to fit into that industry. And some of the uh, aging makers, they are very strong in manufacturing. So this is where we want to come hand in hand. Uh. And one example that we just did sign MOU actually with Linde. They are the second largest uh, folding manufacturer in the world. So they have the forklift, but they don't have you know, the, the, the AI to run the forklift autonomously. So this is where we come in to put our Netflix inside, then the robot can run autonomously already. So this is one of the example of a collaboration that we are looking at. So you're looking at becoming more of the intelligence and the brains of this hardware mm. and not so much focus on the hardware, which as you noted, can be a very commoditized business in the long term mm. as, uh, as people start fighting for... Um, which can be a little bit of a race to the bottom in terms of your ability to price and your margins, whereas the intelligence side of things is where that value is, I guess. Mm. So you you made around thirteen and a half million in revenue last year. Mm. Give us a sense of where who are your key markets and key industries. Where is this money coming from? Yeah. So thanks. So number one, I think our market still in Malaysia. We have fifty percent export to Singapore and Europe. And for industry per se, right now, we are already focusing on semiconductor because this is where we start to see their pine power is very strong and they actually really, really need this kind of automation in their factory. Because in semiconductor industry, they, they cannot have a lot of a human inside the factory because they're going to contaminate their wafer and their goods. So this is what we are looking at. On the other side, we are actually start to venture into warehouse. Because in the warehouse industry, you have a lot of this forklift, you need to be driven by operators and workers. So a lot of company came forward to us saying that, hey, you know, I have challenge to hire workers. Can you automate the robot? I mean, the forklift. So this is something that we are working on and, and we are selling also actually. Yeah. So it's kind of like how we would imagine Amazon warehouses to operate, right? With all the tech that they're bringing into those, uh, those systems. Do you go to Penang a lot because of all the semiconductors uh, players there? Yeah, yeah we, we came to Penang a lot, but ultimately our business is scattered around the world. But mm. we've, like the one that we focus on in, in Moa is a very big semiconductor. And, and then we have some in uh, Penang, Thailand, Philippines, and, and a few other places, yeah. Are you seeing opportunities with the rise of data centers as well? Not so much at this moment, mm. not so much. Yeah, I just wonder because your proximity to yep. Singapore, everyone's building data centers there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've got this ambitious 30% uh, growth every year, which mm. you're forecasting, mm. or at least you've used in your models. Um, what are you seeing that's going to drive this growth in the next few years? Because to some, that might sound quite ambitious. Mm. So I think we have a few strategies. Like early on, we start to venture into high value product. In the past, uh, we are looking into you know, 300 kg kind of robot. We're still doing that. But just now we are looking into one ton and two ton. In fact, we have also encouraged to do two ton, oh, sorry, 10 ton or even 20 ton. Wow. So that is even high value. So that is from the product range wise, high value product. On the second, it's about collaboration that we can move faster. Instead of us selling ourselves, we are looking for a collaborator, how we can push further. We are talking to few big private company now. They want to have their own AMR So instead of them having their own team to develop their own robot, we actually can OEM our robot for them. So this is a business uh, you know, channel that we are exploring. In fact, we have one or two companies are doing that already with us. Uh, so we just want to do more. Then you know, we can still remain our size at that you know, size. At the same time, we can grow the business a little more faster. So you can have an OEM section and a your own brand section and have mm. that both grow. So um, getting the best of both worlds uh, in a way. Um, 
so just for for people to help visualize, when I was looking at some of your robots, you were talking about ten tons. Mm. Uh, the reason I, I gasped at that because you're currently you've got the one and a half ton robots, and they kind of look like giant <laughs> robot vacuums, yeah. right? <laughs> and where you're just putting load on them, and yeah. you're looking to scale up to ten tons yeah. in terms yeah. of their yeah. capacity or their yeah. ability to pull. Yeah. Um, Pending finalized auditor results for 23, uh, you were EBITDA positive, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization was around 555,000 ringgit. Mm. But after tax, you still made losses. Mm. What's the pathway to consistent after tax profitability? Well, I think we did a few things. Uh, like I mentioned earlier on, for the last PLV, we were very focusing on the R&D. So now we actually restructured the company a little bit. We try to reduce the expenses of non-core development. So we want to capitalize the R&D that we have. Uh, so this is what we have been done. We, we, we save a lot uh, on the money expenses. And the second thing is, again, to grow the revenue by collaborating with a lot of partners at the same time also to sell more high-value product. So I think that basically a very straightforward strategy that we are using now. Yeah. As you go higher value, it looks like you're expecting your margins to also expand in the next few years. Mm. Um, if I take a look at some of the numbers here, forecast seem to show you're expecting gross profit margins to increase from 2023 33% to a projected 45% gross mm profit margin in 27. Yep. Uh, profit after tax margins are expected to expand from 5% expected this year mm. to around 25% in 2027. Mm. Again, these are some very ambitious numbers and mm. at the end of the day, these are models, right? And mm. Dr. Young, as you would know, you've done your PhD models mm. are at the end of the day just models. Mm. How realistic are these numbers that you're expecting to achieve by 2027? So when we look into the business and also the market at this moment of time, a lot of companies are actually willing to pay this kind of a solution. That's number one. And then when we look at the automation, our core value are our technology, the software. And we've been developing the software since 2015, actually. So it's been already eight years and still running. And basically, when we sell this solution, it's actually 100% gross profit, basically. The only cost that we have is actually the hardware and also the labor that actually assemble the robot. If we were to outsource the labor, then we can reduce the margin a little bit more. So that's why we are looking into the 45%, I would say the industrial rate, and 25% is kind of a, uh, standard for all the product company that we are aiming for. Yeah. So you get you have three core business models today, mm. right? You've got the design and production, you've got the after sales and service, and you've also got the so consultancy so. solutions mm. part of it. What's going to be the key revenue driver for you uh, going forward? As of now, as of now, the solution our major contributor. In the near future, we want to be majoring from the product and also the after sales support. The solution will be reducing. Because solution, I need my own team to develop that. But for the product and also the after sale, I can ramp it up easily with the same uh, team size. Yeah. Dr. Young, we've got to go into the news bulletin. When we come back, we'll talk about the funds that you are trying to raise right now. Folks, I've been speaking with Dr. Yong Chifai. He's the CEO and co-founder of DF Automation and Robotics. I'm Roshan Kunison. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Beating Fickle Mindsets, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. 
BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kunison, and this morning I've been speaking with Dr. Yong Chi Fai. He's the CEO and co-founder of DF Automation and Robotics. Uh, Dr. Yong, we've talked about where this company started, and it was an MNC asking you as a lecturer in a technical university to basically fix a problem that they had. And 12 years later, you're now a company that's made around $13.5 million in revenue last year, and you're expecting to IPO by 2027, or at least that is the hope. DF is currently offering between 3.6 to 9% stake in the company to raise between 3 million and 8 million ringgit on equity crowdfunding platform Pitchin. This is your second go at ECF, uh, having raised 3 million ringgit back in 2019. Before we get into the plans for these funds, how much funding has DF already secured since 2012 and how have these funds been utilized? Interesting. <laughs> well, I think. Collectively, maybe more than 10 million mm. uh, in between equity and also grant. So I think we started off, the first one was from Credit Fund. That is really helping us to uh, running our operation to close the first deal with another MNC in Penang. Then the second fund that we got was from Mosty Techno Fund. That one is actually helping us to build our core technology, which is NetWiz. And then we have two angel investors uh, putting 1.25 million. And right after that is my first round of ECF for 3 million from 177 shareholder. And in 2021, we got a, a VC, MTDC came in at 3.7 million with a pre-valuation of 70 million. So right now we are looking for ECF pitching the second round for 3 million ringgit up to 8 million ringgit. So that 10 million that you've raised over the last 12 years now, mm-hmm. where's that money gone? So I think from Creative, for example, it's really helping us to build the fundament, f- foundation of the business. I still remember when three of us wanted to hire Amin and also you know, at Technation, <laughs> it took us such a long time. And the moment we had this grant, it really helped us to hire these two uh, entities and it really helps. So mm-hmm. then we start to see that the team is very important. So that is from the Creative Fund. And from the Mosley Fund, it's really to help us to do the R&D. Because for our businesses in DF Automation, our core technology is a software where it's very critical. So these two million really help us because we actually uh, built a few robots to put our technology inside, to test it, to run it, before it get matured, then only be sent to the customer side. Yeah, You know, talent is such a big part of ensuring that your business succeeds because mm. it's software, it's it's the brains behind the robots. Mm. Um, and I noticed that in your shareholding, you have a, I think an SPV that's dedicated mm. to retaining mm. um, key employees. Yep. Um, have you been utilizing those shares to, you know, it through, uh, through ESOS to keep employees and has that been, has that worked out for you? Yeah, yeah. I think that is, I would recommend a lot of, uh, you know, founder doing that because mm. some of my key staff actually we give that. But of course, with one condition that they can only cash out or, you know, exited when the company go IPO. But of course, during this period of time, we actually give them uh, above set, above market rate salary. But this is a bonus for them. So if they stay with us. And along the way, also we start, because for three of us founder, we allocate certain share for some of these staff that, you know, continue to grow with us. So that's why, I mean, the team still with us uh, until, uh, until today. Yeah, I mean, besides the stock option, of course, they love robotics. I think that's also very, very important, right? <laughs> you got to make sure the passion is there yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, I'm sure the stock options keep them long term because mm. there's the long term vision. Yeah. They're invested. They're bought in. Uh, above market rate salary doesn't uh, doesn't hurt as well. Yeah, maybe I want to add on that. In Johor Bahru, we have one of the bigger challenges by just crossing the river to Singapore. Yeah, they got three times. I was just going to ask you, yeah. right? Because you know. It's you're so close to Singapore. Mm. You're trying to compete for tech talent. Yep. Um, how are you? Uh, how has that? How has that challenge been? 
Well, I think market is big. For, for your information, my four siblings are in Singapore. Okay. I'm the only one in Johor Bahru. And for me, <laughs> I, I, I love to be in Malaysia. I love Malaysia. You know, I, I love to be in Johor Bahru. I see the huge opportunity. So some of my peers and my colleagues are feeling the same also. They want to be in Johor Bahru. And they see the future in Johor Bahru. You try to imagine when we went to Shenzhen 15 years ago, it's like uh, religious. Now it's is mm. huge due to Hong Kong overflow to Shenzhen. So we are looking into Johor. There's an opportunity to become like Shenzhen in the near future. So we are waiting actually for that to happen. Are, are you excited then about this talk around the Johor Singapore Economic Zone? Oh, yes. I've been waiting for things to happen. Well, what do you want to see from that? Well, I think the moment that the correlation between the Singapore and also Johor getting better, then the, the influence of become becomes easier. So uh, at this moment of time, there are a bit of a challenges uh, for the investor to come in, for example. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, I think the flow will be easier. At the same time, also, actually, we do a lot of business in Singapore. So then when we go outside, also, it will be much more easier. So that's one way. Second thing, also, we start to see a lot of companies come to Johor Bahru to open their factory, to open their uh, uh, manufacturing plant. So this, we see a huge potential for us to venture in also. Now, uh, we were talking a bit about your fundraising earlier. Yeah. Obviously, you're excited about the Johor Singapore Economic <laughs> Zone. But until that's, I think, finalized and realized, mm. uh, let's talk about some of your other targets ahead, right? So yeah. as of uh, last week, February 14th, uh, the equity crowdfunding campaign raised about 43% of the minimum target. Mm. It hit mm. about 1.3 million ringgit. Mm. You're aiming for a minimum of 3 million, a maximum of 8 million. Mm. What are your plans for this current fundraising round? I think very straightforward as dear Photomation is growing, uh, our bigger challenge is always the cash flow because our, our customer are MNC. Their terms are sometimes straight to three to four months. So with a limited fund, we can only grow until certain uh, level. So this financial, we want to hit 60 million. Right now, we are about 10 million already. We've, we we're short of 6 million. So for us to capture that, we need some fund to finance some of the project. So one of the main reasons for this uh, fund is to finance some of these ongoing projects. That's number one. Number two also, we not not to say start, we're really seeing the huge opportunity in Europe and we want to be there more be, uh, to invest our time and so to invest uh, our sales activity to capture the market there before actually uh, we are late. Lah. So these are the two main activities that we are looking at to use a fund for. So you, you're mentioning, that's why 70% of this money has been, has mm. been uh, earmarked for working capital because you don't, yep. in business you don't get paid in cash in full each time. Mm. You've got credit terms to deal with and as you aim to hit 16 million in revenue this year, yep. you need more working capital to make Correct. that work. Um, why equity crowdfunding again? So before I did the equity crowdfunding, I said a lot of my family member, my friend asking, Yong, can I come in? So the moment that we raise another VC round, it will be very difficult for the public to come in already. So that's number one. And number two, at this junction, actually we need the fund quite urgently. Okay. And if you were to get money from VC or PE or any uh, uh, private company, it will take some time. So we raised the first round in 2019 with pitching and, and we find it very easy. At the same time, also, uh, they help us a lot. So I think it's good branding also. So mm. that's why we chose uh, pitching for this round of funding. Now, your pre-funding valuation is around 80 million ringgit, which mm. is much smaller than the other key players in the space, right? Mm. So MIR, which was acquired by Teradyne for mm. 270 million US dollars in 2018. Mm. More recently, Chinese player VisionNav raised 76 million US dollars at a valuation of 500 million US dollars. Mm. That was in 2022. Mm. Given the 
current landscape, the competition in it, and the financial backing of some of these large players, mm. where do you see DF carving a space for itself in the industry? Well, I think this is a very interesting um, question because when I first started, uh, we always look at competitor as a competitor. In Malaysia, I still remember when we first started this in 2012, uh, we are the only one in Malaysia and we are very proud. But the moment we go to any exhibition or any customer, they will look at the robot, wow, so interesting, so nice. But at the end of the day, we never get a PO for sales. So mm -hmm. it was tough. And we need to create a lot of awareness. So we need to tell them what is AGV, what is AMR, what is robotic and stuff like that. And the last three and four years, because of the COVID, thankfully, <laughs> people are starting looking into robots. And some of the foreigner robots come to Malaysia, especially from China, Japan, and a lot of other places. Hmm. And that is start when all the MNC companies start to do tender. The moment they do tender, they will just Google and we are number one. So we always to be you know, involved in the tender process. And we won some, we lost some, but again, actually we capture the market faster. So I think uh, looking back into other competitors, I think number one, it, it create more awareness, which is very important for us. And the second is social, we start to look into our unique selling point. Mm. In the past, we keep on telling our, every customer say that we sell robot, which is not the case. We are actually very focusing on a very niche market. For instance, right now, we are focusing on the semicon industry. We actually cater some solutions specifically for them. Like right now, they have a new wafer design that right now, if you buy from the off-the-shelf robot, you couldn't buy. So we can do that. We also uh, integrate some uh, solution that require for them, for instance, SecGem communication and this and that. So right now we are there. So we have some kind of uh, advantages compared to other robot makers out there. Now, given your, your valuation right now and mm. given some of the other deals I pointed out earlier, although you, you, you see yourself going to an IPO in 2027, mm. um, it's also very likely that you could become an acquisition target given your space in the region, given your potential. Mm. Um, is an M&A on the cards or is an IPO the preferred route for you? Well, M&A definitely is on the card. Uh, for us, for DF Automation, I think it's easier for us to plan for the IPO because everything Because you can't structure. plan for an M&A. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the moment we plan for the IPO, I mean, when the M&A come, they will see our numbers yeah. and our finance. I think it's easier to go that way. Mm -hmm. In fact, mm -hmm. we are still in discussion with some company for the MMA. Okay. Yeah. But for us, I think it's a bit too early for me to let go of the company. Mm. I think I need to, you know, build the company a little bit more uh, with a better relation. And <laughs> <laughs> Given that you're seeing much better valuations in the market as well, yeah. um, that is something you're, you're aiming for. That's the, the the goal to see some of those uh, to become to become comparable, I guess, to the MIRs and the Vision Labs of the world. Yeah, well, I think um, for us, I think it's very straightforward because we also have to be answerable to all the shareholders that we have. Mm -hmm. As for now, our pre-valuation was 80 million, so uh, IPO at 200 million ringgit, for instance. If by any time now people offer me 200 million, why not, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to wait for another three years. But my another ambition is really want to build a unicorn in Malaysia. So to achieve 1B for uh, AG company is actually possible. So maybe I add another two more years, I could achieve that. Or if I'm lucky, you know, I can achieve that in the next three years. So yeah, that, that is my two aim. One is uh, IPO and the second one is to become a, a 1 billion company. So Dr. Young, you clearly have some clear ambitions ahead for you. One of them is uh, hopefully an IPO in 2027 with a valuation of 200 million ringgit and a PE ratio of about 20 times earnings. Um, you're also not, uh, m is also not off the cards yet because you, as you said, you're, you've also got shareholders to think about. Um, 
with all that in mind, uh, give us your, what are your key goals, I guess, for the next five years for DF Automation as we come to a close in this conversation? Well, I think for DF Automation, it's very straightforward, like I mentioned. Uh, right now, my focus is just to IPO by 2037. And along the way, when there's operation come, I will just grab it. And another for my personal ambitions is I want to build a Malaysian robotic company that you know everyone can be proud of and can inspire a lot of Malaysians to actually look in, go into the deep tech. So this is also my another ambition that I wish to happen. Uh, are you looking to list locally or are you keeping your options open? Keep open. So right now, of course, the plan is to Busan, Malaysia. But of course, uh, we are exploring Nasdaq, Hong Kong or even Japan. Dr. Yong, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Folks, I've been speaking with Dr. Yong Chifai. He's the CEO and co-founder of DF Automation and Robotics. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can listen to the full podcast on the BFM app. Our shows are also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast players. Just look for Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kennison. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.